Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. When you're talking about the way God is getting ready to wrap up the assignment of his you know God gave himself an assignment Jesus gave us assignments he says go ye into all the world and preach the gospel all right and he was referring to the gospel of the kingdom okay because he didn't just say preach the gospel of grace you know because many people now just stop at preaching the gospel of grace wherein they focus on grace being not for redemption but for repetition you know, many people who teach the gospel of grace today say that you can continue to repeat the same sinful things that you do and you're covered. For the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. But Paul says, I believe in Romans chapter 6, that shall we continue in sin that grace may abound. Grace is not for repetition, it is for redemption. Alrighty, but when we stop at the gospel of grace, we deny the people the privilege of growing up and putting away all filthiness and all childishness and the overflow of wickedness. So we have to preach the gospel of the kingdom because the gospel of the kingdom is where the emphasis is placed on becoming sons of God. Because if you know that there is a kingdom to one day take over and the Bible says that an offspring while still a child differs not from a servant. So if you refuse to grow, you are no different from a servant. And the Bible says a servant cannot inherit the kingdom. Then you have your incentive to grow. Because the word servant and the word child, the word child, they're pretty much the same word. From the same origin as some angels, cherub. So when you say cherub, you're talking about a little child. And in some cases, it's translated servant. And in some cases, it's translated angels. And we haven't read in our Bibles where in the Bible says that angels will inherit heaven or earth. But we will inherit the earth. And so what is God saying? God is saying, I need y'all to become sons so I can give this thing to you. I was telling the leaders at the, at the prayers that we were saying. And I think I will, I will start calling our leaders stewards. You know, because of the fact that sometimes when you say leaders... It just sounds like, oh, they are, the, they are the lords of the ring and they just come in here and, you know, they're the... No, the leaders at communion house are the people who serve. The leaders at communion house are the ones who come around and dust the cobwebs and pray and intercede for people. We fast and pray for people every single week. We have special meetings and have to look after people. So I think I need to start to make that emphasis. When I was, in, when I was at the university... The executive committee that led our fellowship, they were not called leaders, they were called stewards. Just so that in case anybody likes to enjoy some title and feel a little bit bloated, when when they call you steward, you're here to serve. Hello? High and mighty you, you serve. So when we're having our stewards meeting this morning, one of the things that I said as we were wrapping up was that the Lord's made it very clear to me that we are in the process of a handover. So in Psalms 82, the Bible says that God appointed his sons to watch over the earth, to run the world, and to cater to the people of God. But guess what they did? 
they decided to look after themselves instead. And God came and said to them, and he says, what is this mess that I'm seeing here? Aren't you supposed to defend the weak? Aren't you supposed to raise up the lowly? He says, I empowered you. You are my sons. He says, but I guarantee you one thing, you will die as men. Because they let God down and God is like, I elevated you, but you decided to be carnal, to seek your own interest. You are supposed to be for my praise, but you decided to be for your own pleasure. And so the era of those people, that reign is being ushered out. In fact, the Lord said to me, I'm not ushering them out, I'm sweeping them out. He says, you're next. And by the grace of God, when Jesus comes, we will have a thousand years to prove that we are worthy of the dominion that he has given to us. That is the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus did not say this gospel of grace shall be preached. He said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the ends of the earth. And then the end will come because the end is the beginning of the new world. And so the Lord Jesus says, when this gospel of the kingdom has been preached everywhere, we know that the ones who have sonship in their DNA, who will not deny the Holy Spirit from grooming them, will rise up to the occasion and be ready to take over the affairs of this world. I told the guys this morning, I said, everything that you have always thought about to be wrong with the world needs to be fixed and you're about to be appointed to fix it. Let me say this every time you look at the word of God and you see the way things are in the word of God and it doesn't align with the way things are in the world and it grieves your spirit, be of good cheer because you're only getting familiar with your assignment. Because if we don't preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom that we have a thousand years with new bodies that will not decay. So you will not have an excuse and say, well God, you know that I'm tired. Can you just take me home now? No, the Bible says that when that time comes, that anyone who falls after the age of about 150 or was it 200 will be as one who dies as a child. Because ultimately we have a whole thousand years to set things right. Now, why am I saying that? I say that because unless we teach that gospel of the kingdom, people will not really grow as they should. The Bible says concerning the Lord Jesus that unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Him shall the tribes of earth obey and him the hosts of heaven. We want the angels to obey us but we want to be children. And as long as you're children, you are in the order of the cherub and they will not obey you because you are the same rank. The forces that govern life will not obey you because themselves are servants. And so when you remain a child, the forces that govern life don't obey you. Angels don't obey you. You keep speaking and nobody listens to you simply because they're looking at you and you keep swallowing your pants. Why should they listen to you? Because they got to clean up your mess. We need to grow. I don't mean to pick up the whip where my wife left it, but the reality of it is this is what God does because of how critical it is for us to grow. How many people remember a couple of months ago I came in here with some exciting message that I was going to teach and the Holy Spirit said to me, look at them and tell them I need them to grow up. And why? He made it very clear to us. The reason why he needs for us to grow up was that a wind was coming upon the earth that will wake up our brothers and sisters who were still asleep. And when they came into the fold, listen, 
God himself is the one who brings people into the fold. Not you, the evangelist. The evangelist is supposed to just be a witness to what God is doing. Remember in the book of Acts chapter 4, Peter says, Now God reached out to your hand and healed the sick. He didn't say we will heal the sick. He said you heal the sick and we're going to be there just to be witnesses. Now yes, this is what the Lord is doing. Yeah. That's why he says arise in his name. Because it is he who is doing it. Not in my name. You see what I mean? And so when God has appointed for us to be his witnesses, then we know that he's going to get the work done. That includes bringing people into the fold including the laborers that need to come and labor alongside with us as we are co-laborers with the lord the bible says jesus speaking he said to his disciples he says the harvest is ripe but the laborers are few and he didn't say to them do more than you've been doing he didn't say to them go and recruit other people he said to them he says you pray and the lord of harvest will bring laborers into the field and he is also the one who brings in the harvest. And so since we know that God is true and faithful, faithful and true, he said he will bring the rest of our brothers and sisters who are falling asleep at the wheel, he will bring them in. And when he brings them in, what does he expect to happen? He expects for us to be able to bring them up to speed. But if ourselves i still been tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Remember Ephesians chapter 4 that my wife read. That when they are brought in, they're supposed to be lockstep with us. You understand what I mean? But God forbid that the ones that have just been awakened from sleep will come and be teaching you the ordinances of God. And what's the point of you remaining when others fell away? And God said it. But you know me, I can be more pastoral sometimes than prophetic. So I was very nice about it. And God was like, really let me raise rosemary because you don't care she's not politically correct she's a school principal she's just going to tell you as it is and she's going to read from the message bible so that hopefully the people will get the message so the onus is on us for us to grow but now i bring you good news today folks because it is one thing to be called out but it's another thing to have the tools that you need to know exactly how to grow. What are, how do we grow? The easiest way to learn anything in life is to look at the way God does it and the way Jesus does it. I have said it time and time again, God never asks you and I to do anything that himself has never done. And you're like, well, God had to grow. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh yeah, there was a time that God himself had to grow. And so... God, let me tell you something. I, I remember John, I said, I'll give anybody $2,000. The money's gone up now. Because I think I have a bit more money now than I had then. When I said, I'll give you $2,000. Oh, did I just say that in my wife's presence? Okay, let me just, let, let's just, let's skip that part of the tape. I, the money's gone up now to $4,000. If you can find anything in the Bible that God is asking you to do that himself never did. And be careful before you waste too much time. I've spent years looking. And I have a ferocious appetite for knowledge. My curiosity is more than that of a cat. In fact, my nickname when I was growing up was a cat. You see what I mean? They used to call me the big cat. In the local language, it was echo, which means the big cat. I was very curious. I wanted to know everything. 
And so I have looked, but I'm not saying you shouldn't look. There's money to be won. Because, and someone is like, but wait a minute, how can God ask me to grow? Has he grown? When did he grow? The Bible says, and the word of God, who was God, became flesh and dwelt amongst men and we beheld his glory and it was the glory of the Son of God. And the child Jesus grew and he waxed strong in spirit, having favor with God and with men. That same child Jesus who grew was written in the letter of Paul to those at Colossae and he said to them, in him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus himself said when Philip asked him, show us the Father. He says, if you have seen me, you have sin the father and so jesus was the father in human form and he grew so how do i how do i grow how did jesus grow the bible says he grew and he waxed strong in spirit when you are in the holy spirit you grow because the holy spirit is the wind of heaven and just imagine what we typically do I mean, this illustration came to my mind when, when uh, Chris asked Mickey to come and help with the offering. I remember the day, Brother Mickey, remember the day you came up here to take up the offering. And it was like, I know some of you, you're not in the habit of giving and I want to help you. So he dipped hand, his hand into his pocket. He had a bundle of money. And he gave money out to everybody. He said, I want everybody to give today. And he gave money out to everybody. What you didn't know, which you know today, is that giving a communion house went up after that. Simply because when you're trying to siphon fluid, let's say you have water in a tank and you want to siphon that into another tank, you put a pipe across, nothing's going to happen until you introduce some wind to create pressure. And the moment the water starts to flow, it doesn't stop. And so for those people who did not have the habit of giving, when he gave them money and they had to turn it in, if I saw when you said, oh, Mickey, come and help with the offering, I was excited. I was like, money. And then he just says, give out the envelope. I was like, oh. But let me tell you something. That is why we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus was speaking to the disciples in John chapter 14, verse 26. He says, the Father is sending help. The Comforter, who is also the teacher in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have taught you. The help that we mostly need as children of God is the help needed for us to become sons of God. God has one ultimate goal and one ultimate agenda. The reason why Jesus came was not to save the world. And someone is like, oh, is that the message Bible also? Because I thought the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, keep reading. What does it say? That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so God is looking at the world that he loves and is like, okay, but wait a minute. This one is already judged and is going to perish. And so the way that I'm going to see one that will not perish is by raising sons who would do things right. And that's why John chapter 1 verse 12 makes it very clear that for as many as have received him, the Lord Jesus Christ, even to those who believe on his name, have we given the power to become what? The sons of God. All the power that God ever gives essentially is so that we can become 
the sons of God. Because the moment you become a son of God, then this, the rest is history. When you are functioning as the son of God, what else do you need? Because if you need healing as a son of God, you can lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover, including yourself. When you are the son of God, then you begin to recognize that you have access to heaven. And everything that you will ever need that pertains to life and godliness. In fact, all spiritual blessings have already been given to you in heavenly places. Children are the ones who are always begging. Sons go ahead and possess their possession. When I was a child, I used to beg my dad all the time. Oh, dad, I need this for school. I need that for school. But now I don't ask him anymore. I just go to my bank account and I spend money. And that's what happens. Sons are still the ones who are always at the level of the beggarly elements of this world. Babies, I mean children, are the ones who are the, at the level of the beggarly elements of this world. But sons in righteousness, they know the mind of the father. As children, we are tossed about by every wind of doctrine simply because we don't yet know that which we are supposed to do. So when someone says, do this, you do it. And that's why when you tell your children how to behave and then they go to school and somebody tells them otherwise and before you know what's going on, you're living with an alien. And that is the reason why we need to continue to drill it into them while they're children so that when they become sons, they will not depart from the way that you have said. And that is where God wants you and I to get to so that he can begin to operate. He can begin to operate through us freely. Let me say this. At the beginning, what was the original intention of God? The original intention of God was so that was such that you and I will not have to choose between good and evil. We spend most of our lives trying to decide what is good, what is right, and what is wrong. You see what I mean? There are three things in life. There are three ways in life by which we move. It is either we turn to the right, or we turn to the left or we turn to the Lord the Bible says whether you hear the Bible says you will hear a voice telling you this is the way whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left you will hear a voice so what is left and right left and right or right and left is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that we ate is being tossed about by every wind of doctrine where I mean one day you're looking left the other day you're looking right but that was never the intention of God the intention of God was for us to be like Adam who was called the son of God who lived the first part of his life not by choosing between what is good and evil but by just knowing that which is right and it was led by the spirit if you are led by the Spirit, you are the Son of God. And when you look at the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, Adam was described as what? The Son of God because he was led by the Spirit. So when we are led by the Spirit, what are we? We are sons. And someone is saying, oh, I, I love what I'm hearing. So how do I get led by the Holy Spirit? You see, we have come to a point in our lives wherein we are faced with opposition that we cannot overpower on our own. The enemy of the church in the last days is called the beast from the abyss. And unlike the beast before this one, you know there are several beasts in the Bible that the believers had to overcome? Paul was given a catalog of the beasts that he had to deal with. 
He was talking to the people who already knew what beast they were fighting. But there was a particular beast that he mentioned so that they will know that he was not at their level. He said, I have even overcome the beast of Ephesus. And one day I'll teach around the beast of Ephesus. Only for the fun of it. Because in reality, we're no longer just dealing with the beast at the level of the beast of Ephesus. We're dealing... So because the beast of Ephesus had the mind of a beast. He had the strength of a beast. So if you can beat the beast of Ephesus, so just in a nutshell, the way you overcome the beast of, the, of Ephesus is to take the level from the physical realm because that beast is stronger than you physically. If you take an ape, for example, an ape is several times stronger than you. If you don't believe me, watch the planet of the apes. You understand what I mean? Don't go and experiment in a zoo. You might not like what you find. Okay? Just watch the movie. You'll get the gist. So how do you overcome the beast of Ephesus? You overcome the beast of Ephesus by beating the beast to its game, elevating the battle from the level of the physical mundane to the mental level, which is to resist the devil and he will flee. That way you overcome the beast of Ephesus because the beast of Ephesus had the mind of a beast. So you can beat that beast, right? By having the resolve to beat the beast. We have done that and most of us have overcome. But there is yet a beast that was not even introduced in the time of Saul. Of Paul the Apostle. Paul did not have to deal with this beast that I am talking to you about. It is called the beast from the abyss. And the Bible says that power was given to the beast from the abyss. And when it came from the abyss, guess what happened? It, it overcame the witnesses. It defeated Israel. And it defeated the church. And someone is like, I thought we came here for the good news. What is this man talking about? There is a beast that will overcome us. Because we are the witnesses. The Bible says the two witnesses, the Bible says the two witnesses, are they not the two olive trees in the presence of God? And the two lampstand in the presence of God. And these are the same olive trees that Zechariah prophesied about. He says, behold, I see one olive tree. And then it was cut down and grafted onto another olive tree on the other side of the river. Israel was the original olive tree and it was cut down so that the Gentiles on the other river, on the other side of the river, can be grafted in and brought into the presence of God. Because many people forget that the meaning of Hebrews means the ones that have crossed the river. And so when God called Abraham, God called Abraham because he had found something in Abraham that he wanted to see in the rest of the world. And that was why he said to him, he says, in your seed, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so what do you do with a seed? If you have a land that is not producing what you want, you take a seed from where something is producing and go and plant it in that land. And the moment it grows, you uproot it and you transplant it. That is why it's called the implanted or the engrafting of the olive. That is the relationship between us and Israel. And Paul knew that. And that was why Paul was saying. He says if you look at the Jews today. And you see them messing about. He says don't despise them. He says give glory to God for them. He said it is because it is for your sake. That they were cut down that you may have life. He said and while they were cut down. The Holy Spirit moved amongst you. He says how much more when God restores them. What will you see? Paul himself was a Jew. But then God put in his heart so much love for the Gentiles. But he recognized that they were just foolish Galatians because they didn't understand what God was doing. But thank God we don't have to remain foolish Galatians. We can be wise Americans. You see what I mean? 
because let me tell you something because the days of foolishness God has winked at and it's like let's start afresh okay we have seen the consequences of being foolish so we're no longer going to choose foolishness right we're going to choose to be led by the spirit and so here is the deal when God raised up these two witnesses he gave them power to plague their enemies I was teaching about this on Tuesday that one of the very first powers that was mentioned in the Bible given to the two witnesses was the power to seize the rain for a period and then to release the rain which is amazing because of the fact that if you make rain first and then you stop it afterwards people are like when it rains it stops after a while after a while but when you hold the rain then you give the people an appetite for the power of God and so we have that power and we also have the power to plague our enemies with all kinds of plagues to call down fire from the heavens and when you say call, call down fire from the heaven people have always thought myself inclusive for many years that it just means calling down fire from the heaven no that's not what it means what it means is to be able to summon angels to do whatever you need done because the fire that you can call from heaven is not flame just fire it is angels the Bible says that he has given his angels as ministering spirits to those of us who are heirs of salvation by Christ Jesus. For he made his angels, what? Fire. The angels are fire. That's why some of them are called seraphim. Because they are burning all the time. So you can call down angels. We have that power. Now look at all the power that we have. Power to control nature. Power to control the forces that govern life. Because the forces that govern life, when they are out of alignment or they're in excess, they become the plagues. I taught you that on Tuesday. Remember that I said on Tuesday that the Egyptians, every single plague that plagued the Egyptians in the time of the Exodus was directly related to every single temple of worship that they had built. Because they were in servitude to the forces that govern life and God used those forces against them. So when you are a witness, you have power over nature, power over the forces that govern life, and guess what? You also have power to summon the angels. Now when you have all that power, this is the way you should walk when you're going to walk in the morning. You walk like a Jamaican brother. <laughs> with a little swag. I've never seen anybody walk as gracefully as my Jamaican brothers. If I, when I was in England, I, I learned. In fact, there was this friend of mine. His was even different. He would lean on God as he's walking. He went like that. I call it leaning on the Lord as he's walking away. You see, when you have that much power, you are super confident. Until the Lord tells you, one day, you're going to be brought down. And you're like, what? But I have you. And he says, yes. You have me. But there is a beast coming from the abyss that you cannot overpower by yourself. And it will overpower you so that you can be in need of help. What we have right now, most of us, is not help. What we have is blessings. But let me tell you something. Blessings are for this realm. Help is what takes you from here to there and God has allowed us to enjoy the blessings of being believers but now he knows that we need help to get out of here in order for there to be a handing over to us when we return that will be guaranteed to succeed 
And that help is the Holy Spirit. So I've come to announce to you, ladies and gentlemen, let me, let me say this. Katie, there was once we went to a house meeting in Decatur. So some of our friends who watch us online, they don't come here, they live all the way in Decatur, almost as far as Marietta. They, they said, we want, we want to host communion house at our house. So we went there and we had a fellowship meeting. And while we were there, Katie wanted to talk to me. So we stepped outside and as we were speaking, I said, let me pray with you. As soon as I laid my hands on her shoulder, I was taking away in the spirit. You probably didn't notice that I went anywhere, but I was gone a long time. You just didn't know because it seemed like it was a moment. I saw the beast that was coming from the abyss. That thing didn't look pretty. I don't even want to remember what it looked like because it was terrible. I said, God, what is going on? And the Lord said to me, look, he's already on the way. The beast from the abyss, and this was last year. So I know that we are in the season of the beast coming from the abyss. The beast coming from the abyss is a beast that will overpower the witnesses, overpower Israel, overpower the church. For the Bible says that it will kill the witnesses and their bodies will be laid out on the great city that is called Mystery Babylon for a while. And someone is saying, wow, how did we even go from growing up to dying? It is a privilege. It is a rare privilege. That's why the Bible says we are most privileged, the generation upon whom the end of the ages have come. Because we get to do a battle that no one else has done before us. Yeah, but if I told you that we won the battle, wouldn't that be good news? But I'm telling you that we were defeated for a period of time, so to speak. Because the Bible says that the witnesses fell and they were on the streets. Their bodies were on the street. But let's read together because I want you to know that this thing is in your Bible. Because some people are looking at me like, man, by the time this guy's done with the Lord of the Rings, he can let us know. This is no fairy tale. This is the good news of the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. Revelations chapter 11. You know the number 11 has come or we have come to know the number 11 to be synonymous to destruction. Right? Because when you look through scriptures, the number 11 is very consistent with destruction. And the number 9 is consistent with the fullness of time. So when it's the fullness of time after 9 months, a lady births. And so when destruction happens, is 9-11. And that is the reason why we call 911. And that's the reason why the Twin Towers fell 911. These things were, div were divinely orchestrated by heaven and, spe and, and specifically executed by men. Men who may not even know what they were doing. The very first time that the Twin Towers, the building of the Twin Towers was predicted was maybe in 1967 or so. There was a particular artist who was asked to paint the cover for The Economist. And when he painted the cover for The Economist and he painted Times Square, he painted the Twin Towers before anybody even conceived of building them. You see what I mean? Because the Bible says that God is the one that is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so even before anybody had plans of building the, of the Twin Towers, he was already there. And so God already knew that they were going to be made erect as a sign to you and I of what the plan of the enemy is. Because the enemy took down the two towers as a symbolism to us that is going to take down the two witnesses. 
But the beauty of it is that by the time the two witnesses rise up, they will rise up as one. <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's just, let's not go there, but um, it's there in Revelations. When you read it, we become one family. The Bible says that by the time we are raised up again, what are we called? We're no longer called Israel. We're no longer called the church. We are called the spirit of just men made perfect. God sees us as one spirit. Hebrews chapter 8, 12. The Bible says the spirit of just man made perfect. We're not made perfect until we have died and, and resurrected with our new bodies. So that's talking about the post-resurrection. Anyway, let's keep going because now I lost some people because I think I was getting too scholastic there. Revelations 11. Let me say this, folks. Um, how many people enjoy biblical numerology? You know, the way God plays I mean, with numbers in scripture. What did Jesus promise us? He promised us one thing. He says, I will hold captivity itself captive. And the way God deals with destruction is God destroys destruction. And how does he do it? If 11 was destruction, look at Revelations 11, 11. It says, now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. If I let me do you a favor because... You may not have known that what, I'm, what I was telling you earlier, what I just, what I did earlier was I read to you Revelation chapter 11. I read to you all the way to chapter 10. But now let me go back to, I mean, verse 10. Let me go back to verse 7. 11, 7, it says, when they finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit, which is the beast from the abyss. So I use the word particularly abyss because the bottomless pit is under the ocean so when this beast comes out it has to first of all travel through the hole in the ground and then penetrate the bottom of the ocean and then it's going to rise out of the waters because if you don't know that little geology you may not appreciate that this is the same beast the bible was talking about that rises from the waters Because those of you who know the beast that comes out of the water, which is a system of government, which is the system of the Antichrist, which is the beast, you may not know that this is the system to watch out for that will take out the witnesses. All right? So I just want to give that to you just in case you've watched YouTube videos that confused you. In reality, the beast from the abyss is the beast from the bottomless pit. The reason why in some places it's described as the beast from the abyss is because in the bottomless pit, you have no place to stand to observe what is going on. So you can only see it when it's where you can stand. Oh, okay, y'all didn't get it. Let me, let me say that again very slowly. You see, the angels are transdimensional so if you want to reveal anything to you it's usually specific and what they're revealing to you has a signature and you can call it like a digital signature but it's a spiritual signature and when they leave heaven they have to check out of heaven's library the scrolls to show you and when they check it out, I've seen this process, it's been revealed to me. So I can give you details of it, but today I'm just going to be very brief. 
So angels will check out whatever scroll they want to show you. They will check it out of heaven. Someone's going to record it. Now someone's taking out this information. And this information is destined for Travis. And this information has this description. And the description usually is prefixed by a dimension or a realm. So that they show you only that which you're supposed to see for that realm. And so what's the first assignment of the angel? Whenever the angel of the Lord comes to you to give you a vision, they first of all take you and set you upon a place. And check that where you're standing matches what's on the scroll. And that is the reason why when you see the prophets, they will say, and the angel of the Lord came and took me to a certain place. And that is the reason why, you know, Satan, Lucifer used to be an angel. Because when they came to tempt Jesus, he took Jesus to a certain place. The angels operate following the order of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the primary help. Angels are helpers. Wives are helpers. And that's why the women here are called helpers on watch. Angels are helpers. Wives are helpers. But all of them, your wife is supposed to function in the order of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The way God fashioned the woman, the script that God translated into a woman is a copy of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So everything the Bible says about the Holy Spirit in the Bible is applicable to your wife. And that's why the Bible says do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 that we just read. Says do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because the moment you grieve the Holy Spirit, you no longer get the benefits of the Holy Spirit. So when you're constantly grieving your wife, then you don't get the benefit of the help that she renders and then you continue to complain more and more about how she's not helping you but you're always grieving her and the angels of the lord are also running the script of the holy spirit because you can't grieve the angel of the lord that is supposed to be in your defense because the angels have not been given the ability to forgive Let me prove that to you very quickly. Come with me to Exodus chapter 34. Father, I thank you because you are with us. Let me tell you something. Paul says, I will not have you be ignorant. He says, we cannot afford to be ignorant of the devices of the crafty. Every single one of us, we need to know as we are known. We need to understand these things because whether we like it or not, there's a battle to be fought. And the way we overcome in that battle is by having the wisdom. Because God says, by wisdom, wage war. Exodus chapter 34. I believe that's what that's the one. Hold on a second. I want to find you this scripture. I've been quoting it lately. Let me let me find it for you. Because this is something that I want you to go and to I want you to go and meditate on. I want you to go and meditate on this thing about the Holy Spirit, about angels. And ultimately about wives. Alrighty, let's let's look at Exodus twenty three twenty three. I know that it's one of those thirty four, thirty four, thirty two, thirty two. I know that it's one of those palindromes.
Oh yes. Okay, actually, I found it. Now, let me tell you something. You need a good Bible. Okay? Because in my translation of the Bible, this passage that I'm about to read to you is actually titled The Angel and the Promises. Which is interesting because the Holy Spirit is the angel of promise. You know, the promise of the Father was what? That he will be with us. And you shall call his name Emmanuel. Is Jesus with us? Whenever we're gathered in his name, he is there. But ultimately, where is Jesus? The Bible says he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Far above principalities and powers. So who is really with us? The Holy Spirit. The Bible says God gave us a spirit and it will be our seal until the day of redemption. So the promise of God being with us is fulfilled through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's the angel of promise. Now read Exodus chapter 23 verse 20. Let me read to you from this, from this translation here. Which is, is also New King James. Um, but it is printed in black and white. So you know that I've not just downloaded something from the internet to amuse you all. This is Exodus chapter 23 verse 20. Now. Until you begin to appreciate the order in which heaven op operates, you will still be seen as a child because a child does not know. So to know is to grow and to grow is to go. If you, are, if you don't know, you don't grow. And if you don't grow, you don't go because God does not want the enemy to just deal with you before the time. The only beast that we know that has been given the power to overpower, that's been empowered to overpower the witnesses is the beast from the abyss. And at least God wants you to make it to final round. He doesn't want the beast of Ephesus to take you out. So you have to be a son before you go out. Anyway, you will understand that. I would encourage you to listen to what I just said again because it's not particularly the core of what I'm saying. Or maybe it is, but I don't want to dwell on it. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 23. And let's start reading from verse 20. I was going to rush this thing, but then the Holy Spirit said to me, take your time with this one. The Bible says, and God speaking here, it says, behold, verse 20 of Exodus 23. Um, let me just tell you something very quickly about numbers. The number 23 is a very symbolic number. And that is the reason why I've always had, not always, but for some years, I've always had some kind of eerie expectation about the year 2023. Because the number 23 is essentially the number 6. But it is number 6 in a very strange kind of way. Let me tell you what is strange about the number 23. The number 23 is a number that whenever everyone sees it, in a way, it brings everyone's focus to what's going on on the earth as far as men are concerned. 6 is the number of men. Three is the number of heaven. Two is the number of the earth. Because there are three heavens, right? And so three is the number of heaven. And that is the reason why Jesus says there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But two bear witness on the earth. A man and his neighbor. Okay? So the number... Now, let me just quickly say this. Because I know there are Bible scholars amongst us who may have also found, I believe in Second Corinthians, in one of the epistles, Paul was breaking down these numbers even further. Because Paul thinks a lot in perfection. When you think about Paul, he's always thinking in the number seven. Okay? So that's the way he functions. He, he's a very number seven kind of guy. And that's why his focus was always on the resurrection power. Right? Which is, uh, let, me, let me not go there, but let's just keep going. 
Paul thinks in sevens. And so when he sees the number six, he will interpret the number six from the perspective of number seven. So he always adds one, but it tells you where that one is from. When you start to study the letters of Paul and the way God speaks to him, some of these things will make sense. Now, this is what Paul says. He says there are two that bear witness on the earth. No, he says three bear witness in heaven. He says three bear witness on the earth, which confuses a lot of people because Jesus said two. He said, but the two of them bear witness as one. So, uh, let, me, let me just say this. And then we'll continue, to where, we'll continue where we left off. I'm, I'm saying this because it took me a while to understand this. And so if there's anybody listening or anybody that will watch later that has been struggling with how some numbers don't add up in scriptures, here is your key. There are three that bear witness in heaven and they always bear witness independently. And that's why the Bible says that great is the mystery of godliness. When God was made manifest in the flesh, that was a very unique witness. When it was seen by angels, that was a very unique witness. When it was believed on in the world, that was a very unique witness. Okay? Three independent witnesses. But you see, there are also three witnesses on the earth. Only that two of those witnesses, they bear witness as one. So ultimately, how many witnesses do you have? You have three, but they have two offices. So whenever you see the number two and the number three, it is the earth and heaven. But together, it represents man, so it is heaven's perspective of humanity. So, I say all of that because if you understand that, then you'll appreciate why this has to be in Exodus 23, 20. Because it's talking about how heaven wants to help humanity, and humanity cannot afford to mess it up. When you divide... Three by two, what do you do? You carry one. And that's the one that Paul was talking about. And that one is the Holy Spirit. Now, I can't get away from this thing. Lord, help me. Because I want to save you time. If you get this, you will get a lot of things. The Holy Spirit said to me, he said, tell them how three witnesses become two. Because two of the three bear witness as one. Eli, come. Katie, come. No, actually, don't worry. We'll come, but put your camera down. And I want you to get this. I totally want you to. Because I just, there's so much power in what I'm about to share with you. Eli, can you stand here? And you stand here. In fact, Katie, you come too. Because we're talking about the Holy Spirit, so... Let's have a woman up here. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is a woman. Are you saying it's a man? Well, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. But it's, it's okay. The Bible says there are three that bear witness in heaven. We, we're not confused about that. We know who the three of them are. God, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the number three. But, the Bible, but Jesus says there are two witnesses required from the earth. The earth is not required to produce three witnesses. But Paul saw that there were three witnesses because he was always looking for the extra. So when you give him the number five, he would add one to it. When you give him the number six, he would add one to it. When you give him the number seven, he would add one to it. Let me not confuse you, but let me give you an example. Five is the number of grace. 
when Paul was presented with grace, he added the number one to it. He understood grace from the perspective of the infirmity of the human being, which is the number six. Six represents our weakness. And that was why he started talking about that in Romans chapter six. See, God is so meticulous. He doesn't leave any detail unverified. Everything is intentional. Even the way the Bible was broken down into chapters. We thought the canoners did that. They may have written it or they may have broken down into chapters, but it was because the Holy Spirit already concorded the Bible to be in passages that have numbers that are, that are associated with the true meaning or some deeper meanings, okay? So where did Paul start talking about grace from the perspective of man? Romans chapter 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Have we been set free from the carnal mind, which is the number 6, the number of the human mind? Shall we now be made slave once again to it? Have we been brought to the level 5? Okay, so you see what Paul does? So that's why it was no surprise that even though Paul already received instruction by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance what Jesus says that we only need two witnesses he had to find the third witness so these are the three witnesses that bear witness as two witnesses this is Eli Eli is a man of God this is his neighbor Will this is the church actually let's say this is Israel just because this is Israel, one olive tree. That is the Gentile church, the second olive tree. These are the two witnesses, end of story. But Paul keeps saying the third witness. And the third witness is the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Bible says, and the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. So your witness in heaven is not validated until you are witnessing by the leading of the Holy Spirit which makes you a son of God so there are two that bear witness on the earth the Gentile church and Israel but each one of them their testimony is only made valid when they have the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit is the third ingredient but that ingredient is what catalyzes and activates this one so that it can be validated so when the Bible says there are three there are two that bear witnesses behold three because two bear witness as one so your voice has to align with the holy spirit the reason why i say when you get this you get everything is because when you're speaking of your own accord without the backing of the holy spirit you cannot call down fire from heaven because the angels don't recognize what you're saying but when you say it by the holy spirit then suddenly they no longer hear the voice of a crying child they hear the voice of a man speaking with authority what, were my, what was my wife telling us earlier? My wife read to us several chapters in the book of Acts just now. But she didn't say where they were from. She was just saying, and the apostles were filled. Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Because if they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? There was no authority. That's why you have demons challenge people and say, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. But who the heck are you? Because you're a child. You can't tell us what to do. We are the ancient. We've been around for, since forever. Wow. We saw the ark been built. Some of us were the counselors of Napoleon the Great. Some of us were there to overthrow the council of Aitofo. We were there when the world wars were being fought. Where were you? 
And so as a child, you cannot command the ancient because they're not going to be disrespected by your very childish self. But the moment you begin to speak with the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of him who is as of thunder upon many waters, then they listen. And the reason why Israel has not been functioning as effectively as a witness is because it is yet to accept the ministry of the Holy Spirit. For the Bible says it is only by the Holy Spirit that we can say that Jesus is Lord. And it is the spirit of the Antichrist that denies the sonship of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you deny the sonship of the Lord Jesus Christ, you deny the Holy Spirit. But the moment they see him set foot upon the Mount of Olives and they bow to him as the Lord and the Savior, they receive the Holy Spirit. And then they can also be a witness. So in your life, if you're saying anything and it's different to what the Holy Spirit is saying, you will not have the results because you need the wind of heaven to back you up. So even though what I am saying as a New Testament Christian is agreeing with what's been said in the Old Testament. For the New Testament and the Old Testament to provide or to produce the result of heaven on earth, we need the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Thank you. Let's celebrate this, guys. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now I feel, I feel much lighter. There was such a heaviness that came on me because I knew that somebody needed to hear that today. You needed to hear that and know that you need the witness of the Holy Spirit. He is not an independent witness. He is just the empowering witness. So let's go to Revelations, I mean Exodus chapter 23 verse 20. Which is interesting because the Exodus and Revelation, they're exactly the same. Did you hear what I just said? Exodus, the book of Exodus and the book of Revelations are pretty much the same. Because Revelation talks about our exodus. Yeah, it talks about how we get out of here. Yeah. But we get out of here. <laughs> Let me say this. I'm excited about this concept. You see, Revelation talks about three things. Right? It talks about us being redeemed from here. Taken up for a brief period of time. Transformed. Trans- well, it's more like transmogrified because the Bible says it is within the twinkle of an eye that we're going to be changed. All of that slow growth that we've experienced here on earth doesn't happen in heaven. In, ha- in heaven, is in the moment you grow and then you come back here. And that's the third thing, to rule and reign for a thousand years, right? So what happened is they came out of the land of Egypt and they went up to the Mount of Sinai to be changed and they set foot back again on the ground to possess the land of their enemies. The same people that oppressed them. The Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, the, all the ites that made their lives difficult, they ended up taking over their land. And that's what Revelation is talking about, that the beast from the abyss, the beast from Ephesus, and all of those other things that have tormented us, even the kings of the earth of Revelation chapter 5, which were also the four horsemen of the apocalypse in Revelation chapter 4. You see, let me tell you something. All of those things, we will take over from them but we have to be sons first. We have to be changed. So you see how Revelations and Exodus are essentially the same thing? So come back to Revelations. I mean Exodus. Exodus 23, 20. And it says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place that I have prepared. Who is going to bring us to the place that God has prepared? The Holy Spirit. 
the Bible says it is the Holy Spirit that remains our seal unto the day of redemption. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. So only the Holy Spirit can deliver us to the groom. And what does the Bible say here? He says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. I was teaching about ambiguity last Was it Sunday last week or was it Tuesday? It was Tuesday. I was talking about what an ambiguous statement means. That it is a statement that has two different meanings even though it's in the same language expressed the same way. There is another ambiguous statement here. God was telling us about the ministry of the Holy Spirit even from the Old Testament. He says, I will send my angel ahead of you. And what will the angel do? It will keep you in the way. Who is the way? Jesus is the way. And that's why the Holy Spirit was come. So that he can keep us in the way. He will keep you in remembrance of him. Anyway, maybe one of these days I would, I would take out an entire Sunday or Tuesday and just teach more about the Holy Spirit. And what does he say? He says, beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him for he will not pardon your transgressions for my name is in him. What does it mean for my name to be in him? God, the Father. God, the Son. God, the Holy Spirit. He is telling you that when the Holy Spirit comes, this angel is only a, an insight, a preview into the Holy Spirit. And how do I know even further that God was talking about the Holy Spirit here? He says he doesn't forgive transgressions. What did Jesus say? Jesus says any blasphemy against the Father is forgiven. Any blasphemy against the Son is forgiven. But any blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not so you see the reason why angels don't forgive? Because they operate according to the order. And that's the reason why sometimes women find it more difficult to forgive than men. You know because you, you, offend, you offend a man, he may get angry in that moment, but two minutes later, it's like, oh, remember that thing that I was telling you? This will happen to me, I want to go talk to my wife. And she's still like that. I'm like, is there, is there something in your eyes that you okay? And then she does that. Oh, and that's when I remember that. Oh, I was bad five minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then I go back to a corner and suck for a little bit and then come back out. You see, but men forgive that quickly because our own script is different. But women run the script of angels, which is the same script of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that he doesn't forgive. And someone is like, what kind of spirit will God give to us that does not forgive? Let me help you. I, I was teaching around this on Friday while we were on Instagram live. In case you don't watch us on Instagram Live, I want to encourage you to watch us on Instagram Live. You see, there's a different, uh, there's a flavor of the teaching unction that I get to enjoy, or that we get to enjoy on Fridays when my wife and I were having the Q&A session. You know why? I found out because I asked God about it. I'm like, what's the difference? Why is this flavor different? He said to me, he said, when people ask questions, yeah, he says they are knocking on the door of knowledge. The Bible says he knows who quests to know. He says, so there is a different dynamism. It is more dynamic the way knowledge flows when people are asking questions. You know right now you're not asking questions. You've just been drugged with information. Both the one you asked for and the one you didn't ask for. The one you paid for and the one you didn't pay for. You're just being drugged with information right now. It's different than when people come on Fridays. They send questions ahead of time. 
right? And they ask us questions and we answer these questions. So on Friday, I was breaking it down that what it means that the Father forgives the transgression, Jesus forgives, but the Holy Spirit doesn't forgive is this. Don't think about the Holy Spirit as one evil beast. No, he's not. He is God because the name of God is in him and God is good. So the Holy Spirit is also good. God is the provider. When the children of Israel blasphemed the name of God by saying, oh, we would rather go back to Egypt. In Egypt, we had garlic, we had onions, we had food to eat. The Egyptians, they provided for us. We don't know about this God who yells from up the mountain. What have they done? They blasphemed the name of God. To blaspheme is essentially to demean the essence of a being that is higher than you. Okay? I cannot blaspheme my brother Mickey because he's my brother. We're both sons of God. I can insult him though. Someone at your level, you can insult. Someone below you, you don't insult, you abuse. That's why adults abuse children. You can abuse someone below you, you can insult someone at your level, but you blaspheme someone that is above you. That's the difference between those three words, right? So it says if you blaspheme God, he will forgive. Because the children of Israel blasphemed God by taking away from him his place as the provider by calling Egypt the provider. And the Bible says, woe unto them that go to Egypt for help. Because Egypt is not your help. Egypt takes advantage of you. I am your help. And so every time you and I are looking for help where there is no help, we are blaspheming the name of God. But God the Father is so loving that after they blasphemed his name, he said to Moses, was like, I know you've about had enough of these people. Moses was like, I had enough of them already. What about you? And God was saying, God says, look, I had enough of them already, but I still can't get enough of them. So he says, we're still going to feed them, even though they're a corrupt, stiff, naked people. They continue to blaspheme me, but where do I send them? They have no other father. I am their father. And I am their God. He says, so manna will come from heaven nonetheless. I can almost imagine the angels scooping out manna like that. <laughs> because it has not been given to them to forgive. But they will still obey God. You understand what I mean? And that is the reason why whenever God gives the angels an opportunity to deal with the children of Israel, hundreds of thousands die just like that. Because these guys have been waiting but like just say the word no no you need to understand the way it is angels are formed and they live in a place where there is extreme order and they look at us and we're always making a mess and God keeps protecting us and that was why Lucifer the moment God said to him he had an opportunity to go and test Job he was like Job he's just like any of them it's because you have your edge of protection against around him take the edge of protection and you will see what we've been wanting to do to him forever and god was like okay knock yourself out you understand what i mean the angels that are holding the four wings at the corners of the earth they know the beauty of the earth and they see what we have made of it they've been waiting to destroy us forever god is the one that says slow down take it easy the bible says god says tell them to restrain until my elect at least my elect let me seal them and then you guys can knock yourselves out. And the Bible says the moment God tells them it's okay, they release destruction upon the earth such as has never been seen. Angel Michael, Angel Michael loves us. 
right? He is the one angel, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, he was the only other person in all of scripture, chronicles and historical, poetic and liturgic. He is the only one who ever said that the Bible, that the Bible ever says, or that scripture ever says, intercedes for the sons of men. The Holy Spirit makes intercessions for us. Jesus forever listening, makes intercessions for us. And angel Michael makes intercessions for us because he cares about the sons of Israel, the children of Israel. To the point where in Daniel chapter 12, in Daniel chapter 12, when angel Michael saw the destruction that was coming upon the earth, his heart broke. And the Bible says he looked and it says, behold, there's never been such destruction ever upon the sons of men. But let me tell you something. Apart from him, the rest, they don't play. And guess what? The reason why I'm telling you this is because I want you to be able to appreciate or not, maybe not appreciate, to be able to get yourself ready for what's about to happen in this world. Because these angels are about to be unleashed because we have been very silly and only the ones who are led by the Spirit have the seal because the Holy Spirit is the seal. Alright? So let's go back to what I was saying. Here is the deal. We have the angel of the Lord who doesn't forgive but the father forgives. So they blaspheme the name of the father, but it still gives them bread. What about Jesus Christ? The Bible says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Instead of him to go home like I would, he still died for them. You understand what I mean? Because sometimes I want to do something nice for somebody. And as, and as soon as I see them, they insult me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my niceness and go. And that's why I keep telling you that niceness is not the fruit of the spirit. But Jesus, in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 5, Apostle Paul had this insight. And he said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what does that make him? The forgiver of blasphemies. Because he is the savior. Do you know how many people today are calling the system the savior? Do you know how many believers out there in the world today who believe that Big Pharma will save them? They forgot that there was only one name that has been given to man under the heavens by which we might be saved. And it's the name Christ Jesus. But when you call another one your savior, when you call another one your healer, you blaspheme the name. But it still says, upon whom I will have mercy. I will have mercy. He will still forgive them. So you can enjoy God the Father as the provider, even though you are blaspheming. You can enjoy Jesus as the healer, even though you are demeaning his authority. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is your helper. If you grieve him, he doesn't go ahead to help you. He, does, he just doesn't help you. If you don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit as your teacher, he's not going to come and teach you. You're just going to remain ignorant. So that is what it means that the Holy Spirit does not forgive whatever blasphemies. So if you say the Holy Spirit is not the comforter, you will remain in anxiety because he's not going to comfort you. If you don't go to him and ask him and say, please, you are the teacher, explain this Exodus 23, 20 to me. He's not going to explain it to you. And so that is the reason why for you and I to grow and become sons of God, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to obey him. The Bible says obey his voice. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit because he will not forgive. But let me tell you something. If you will obey his voice, if you will not grieve him, he will go ahead of you and defeat your enemies. And that is the good news that I bring to you today. That even though we have come to the end of the ages and the witnesses are going to be slain by the beast coming from the bottomless pit, 
Napoleon that is coming from the abyss. Even though that beast is going to come, but guess what? The Holy Spirit goes ahead of us because he is also the resurrection power. And resurrection is the sweetest victory. And the only way we get to experience the resurrection power is if we get killed, is if we get taken out. And that is the reason why the enemy might seem to win in days to come over the church, over the elect, but it's okay. Because even though they may silence us for a moment, the Bible says after three days, the Holy Spirit will come and it will raise us up again and look at the devil and says, you were saying... So if you don't think you need the Holy Spirit for your day-to-day -day life, I have just given you an incentive for you to embrace the Holy Spirit because the beast from the abyss, as you have read, we, we didn't read it, but you can go read it on your own. I opened to it, but then I got to go talk about other things. Revelations chapter, chapter 11, it's there. Revelations 11, it says um, in verse 20 that when the wind of God from on high, which is the same wind that came down on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says when it comes, again, look, look at what it says. In Revelation 11, chapter 11, after three and a half days, guess what? The breath of life, which is the Holy Spirit of God, entered into them and they stood on their feet. Where did you see this before? Another verse 11. <coughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Paul says, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will raise Jesus from the dead, will quicken your mortal body by his Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't believe that you need the Holy Spirit because you got it all figured out, you know how to live your life by the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. I always know what's good for me and my children. I always know what's good for my bank account and for my investments. And you don't listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Your good and evil cannot save you from the beast that is coming from the abyss. The reason why God authorized the beast coming from the abyss because he wants to make all things new he wants to deliver us from the venom of the knowledge of good and evil it is just like when your computer your windows computer when it has a virus there are some viruses that you can use PCC lean and McAfee to clean there are some viruses that you can use an antivirus to clean but there are some black viruses they call them the worms for you to clean out most of those ones, the critical ones, the type that I used to write, you would have to clean out that computer. Erase everything and start again. And so the reason why God allowed the beast from the abyss to overpower the weak witnesses is because God wanted us to start all over again and he was looking for the spirit that can do the job. That spirit is so deadly and dastardly that God makes sure that it is in the bottomless pit so that nobody one day says that he suddenly escapes. No, he can only escape or come up when the Lord says come up because only God can reach the bottomless pit. The Bible says his hand is not short. So I say this to you ladies and gentlemen, when you see what the world is about to do to the church, when you see what the system of the beast is about to do to Israel, don't faint, don't be discouraged, be of good cheer simply because the virus has to be wiped. Thank you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house That's www.communion.house Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. 
We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.